This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future experience with it. Today's topic was power. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And it is episode number 59. Yes, sir. We are almost at Big 60. The Big 60. We're going to get those AARP magazines rolling in pretty soon. Retirement age is 65? I think it's at 65. 63? I 65. think 65, although some movie theaters start their senior ticket discount at a hard 55, which to me seems insulting. Wow. <laughs> that's the movie senior. That's, I think that's like in the cinema world. The, that's uh, The global senior <laughs> is 65, but the movie senior is 55. <laughs> I think, maybe. I could be making that up, but I think that's true. That's good because at certain ages, you just don't really have much to celebrate anymore. Yeah. Like 40, I think, is the technical over the hill. Yeah. And then really, it's not until retirement age. So it's nice that movies give you that little... A little bump. little demarcation a little in the bump. middle. Patton Oswalt has one of my favorite stand-up comedy bits of all time about how we should really only be celebrating birthdays zero through... 16, and then really just the big markers, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. No need to do all the individual. Every 41, 40, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think you mentioned that. We just appeared on Jake and Amir's If I Were You, and I think you mentioned that in that episode. Oh, did I? God, I have four anecdotes I like to tell, and I just cycle through them. Yeah. You know what works. You know what will work on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. We went on If I Were You, and we should also shout out Catherine Spears' Smart Mouth. Yes, Catherine, our dear friend Catherine, who is the food editor at LA Weekly and just a delightful human specimen, uh, has a wonderful podcast called Smart Mouth that she she produces with our other dear friend, Michelle Lands. And Billy and I were guests on that podcast a couple weeks ago yeah. or so. Yeah. Talked about Cuban sandwiches. If you go to your iTunes page and look up Smart Mouth, you'll see that she has guests like Mario Batelli, <laughs> yes. Anthony Bourdain, yes. and Billy and Adam. And Adam. Why? Balls. We, we don't know. Yes, exactly. We don't know. She also had Mike Mitchell from The Birthday Boys, who's hilarious. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not just uh, it, like we're not food just... geniuses and Billy and Adam. And Billy and Adam. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There's at least uh, one more. Exactly. Yeah. That is a really wonderful podcast, though. And yeah, do definitely. Do check us out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's episode 59. Yes, sir. The world is on fire. The world is on a little bit of a fire right now. It's right. like, yeah. People are confused. Yeah. People are fighting for what they believe in. Yes. It's time to lay your values on the table kind R of situation. Right. Yep. Um, and before we get into what's happening in the world, yeah. Adam, I just want to say that right now you are dressed the part <laughs> as somebody who is ready to fight for what they believe in. <laughs> you are wearing what I would call single ply toilet paper for a shirt. <laughs> Maybe we'll post the picture when this podcast goes up. I mean, would you like call that a shirt? Half ply. It's. I mean, like we were saying, this is a nap. This is a napkin essentially that I'm wearing on my body. It's okay. So I would say that for the listeners at home, there is, and this is not hyperbole, between thirty and forty holes at least. Holes. Yeah. Not including the ones for your neck and arms. Yeah. It's really just a hole that I'm wearing with a little bit of shirt in in it. Wow. Yeah. This is a shirt that says uh, it's an old shirt. I want to say it belonged to maybe my father or maybe it was a thrift store get, and it said it says Adirondack Mountains. It's my way of life. <laughs> I can't see any words on this shirt. Oh, all the lettering is totally faded. And yeah, it really, single ply is really the best way to describe it. It's it, a single it ply is, shirt. Yes. Completely translucent. Yes. It could be ripped to pieces by a strong gust. Right. That's it. Um, everyone is kind of feeling a certain revolutionary uh, tinge right yes. now. You are you are wearing revolutionary clothes And if right I'm, now. I say so myself, you are uh, as well to a certain degree, Bill. You have some really nice sort of military fatigue pants on. You can see them? They're camo. I, I get to, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just saw them. You were totally blended into this jungle of a studio. Camo. Yeah, camo. Camo is the most, like, it's the first thing you see 
when you're not in the jungle. <laughs> it's, it has the opposite effect in life. When you're on a plane and you're dressed in your camo, camo. I can only see camo. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's all you see. Uh, I'm rocking the camo. Yeah, grass. exactly. So we're both soldiers in our own way. Right. Yeah. Um, and while we are all trying to figure out what to do next and how to cope with the current presidency, I shouldn't say mm-hmm. all, but for you and I at least. Yeah, sure. It's a struggle, a minute a minute by minute struggle. Sometimes it helps to uh, get some information, to read some books. Yeah. You know, definitely, because um, it's easy to just click through your tweets and just yes. keep refreshing and refreshing, waiting for the shoe to drop and he'll oh, be impeached. That's right. That's uh, that might be a little hopeful. Yes. So sometimes it's helpful to imbue yourself with uh, some uh, history. Yes. Or maybe how we got here. A little context. Yes. Yeah. There was a wonderful article in The New York Times recently. Maybe I brought this up too. it being one of my four anecdotes <laughs> uh, that Barack Obama, one of the sort of hallmarks of his presidency uh, was books and was reading, frankly. And he talked a lot about how uh, it was one of the things that kept him saying specifically the idea of being able to connect to other presidents, reading Lincoln's memoirs, reading George Washington's memoirs, being able to reach into the past, feel like you are connected to these other great figures in history who – I mean the club of those who have been leader of the free world and have experienced that kind of power and isolation all at once yes. is a few. It's only a few. Correct. It's just, That's a small gang. Correct. So I'm sure that it is isolating to right. do that. Um, and it really does help to sort of, like you just said, imbue yourself with a little historical context. Right. To feel more connected to those around you, I think. So I've been reading this uh, the book that we've talked about before called The People's History of the United States. How's that going? How are you liking it? It's great. Ugh. It's great. I mean right now I'm in a chapter about the oppressed and the oppressors, yes. which feels like the spirit of the whole book it yes. just it's just it really just yes. it tells you what your textbooks didn't that's it and <laughs> it doesn't make anything better about what's happening in the world no. now in terms of social justice and how things are being treated from just a humanitarian level Not. but it does it did teach me that the history of the united states is born out of moments like this yes it's, it's a push and a pull of ideals. It's it's rife with conflict. We have to continually fight for the justices that we believe in. And yes. they're not given they're not they're not fixed. Once we achieve a certain modicum of civil rights, that isn't fixed. Right. And it, it needs to it takes active maintenance. Slavery didn't just end. No. Like the fight for an eight hour workday didn't just occur. That's Child right. labor laws didn't just occur. That's right. People struck over and over right. again and protested and marched, and that's how America's greatest qualities were formed. And it's the only way that they'll continue to form. And frankly, that's why we have to strike and speak out and be active now. I mean, it's the someone posted sort of an app thing that I thought, which was something along the lines of like, remember in history class when you were learning about sort of these oppressive regimes and you were like, man, if I were alive at that time, I know what I would have done. Yep. Well, here we are to a certain degree. It's not the theoretical. It's not a history book. You're living history right now. There's a bit of a moral crisis happening, and it's time time and appropriate, and I would say obligatory, to examine your values. Yes. And to learn a little history, to be honest with you. And not in a condescending way. I don't know anything about anything, but to – Information is power. Yes. Information is power and, and it feels empowering. And I wasn't – we've talked about this. We talked about it in the college episode. I wasn't a good student, but I did want to learn. Right. And so now as an adult, when I find ways of learning, when I want to learn, yes. suddenly his, American history calms my nerves because it feels like this is like once – the first time in history that there was like – like a real weird axis of evil just like spreading very quickly throughout yes. our government and yes. then saying this is what Americans believe in. That's right. And then when you read that, no, this has been American history 101 Push, and the people fight back, Yes, it, it calms my nerves. Yes. It's like, okay, it's just happening now. Yes, yeah. same. They say, I don't know whose quote this is, but the arc of moral history is long, but it bends towards justice. And yes. there's zigs and there's zags and there's zigs and there's zags. Right. And child labor laws and uh, things like <laughs> – 
being able to emigrate to a country based on your religion? I mean, these are unfortunately, or maybe not unfortunately, but uh, these are the debate, the exact debates that we're having now yep. and will will have in right. perpetuity. So like I said, like these sort of – these social justice wins and civil rights wins that we've achieved over the course of our nation's history are all negotiable. Yep. <laughs> They're all negotiable. Depends Nothing how much you care. Yes. Depends how much you're willing to fight for it. We, as a body politic and as a citizenry, we need to stay, we should stay aware and stay vigilant and stay active to maintain these rights that we value. Yeah. And one thing that I kind of think about, like, as we're about, what, uh, two months into the presidency now or so? Well, since the election. Since the, yeah, a week since in. The election, yes. And since the election, yes. when it became real. Yes. Um, a, a, a quote or at least a saying that has been kind of a good reminder yeah. for me is that a drowning person can save another drowning drowning person. Can save. Can, can, cannot. Right. Cannot. Right. Just like if you're on the plane, um, you have to put on your own life vest before you put on someone else's life yes. vest. Yes. And it's an important thing to just self-heal yeah. however you can first before yeah. you're ready to fight for what you believe in. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Certainly, yes. Because it can feel like it's a, it can be very spirally yes. right now, emotionally, yes. for at least people who agree with how we're feeling. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And it's so hard. it's Yeah. Back to books for a yeah, second. Yeah, back to books. So the fact of the matter is that whether we want it or not, this guy, Donald Trump, is our president. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But there's a lot of Donald Trumps that he has hired uh, <laughs> or, you know, a lot of, like, people who agree with his philosophy or at least his way of obtaining power. Yes. How one obtains power is something that we're going to look at today. Yeah. I read a book about six months ago called The 48 Laws of Power. Cool. And depending on who you are and what your moral code is going into this book, it can go one of two ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because to me, there was like a bit of a smirk with each next bold declaration of how to behave in order to obtain power yes. because it felt so on the nose. Yes. And in this episode, we're going to get into some of these laws that this book preaches. Yes. But simultaneously, they make perfect sense, yeah. and they almost explain the Trump presidency. I, I, that does not in any way surprise me. You know? Yeah, yeah. This book is a manual for self-empowerment, yeah. but in the wrong hands, it can spin wildly out of control. Yeah. I mean, I know that uh, I, I know that we've kind of referenced these books before, but I, in college, right after college, uh, I read uh, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged kind of back-to-back, and these Ayn Rand books also, again, I have not read this 48 Laws of Power. I'm vaguely familiar just sort of anecdotally through Billion in general, and I'm very excited to talk about it on this episode. But the Ayn Rand books had a similar effect on me, which was like, wow, this is really powerful writing. These are really powerful, powerful and well-articulated, brilliantly articulated ideals yes. and ideas that when explained in the moment as I'm reading this, caught up in the narrative, they make sense to me. Yeah. The virtue of selfishness, objectivism, these make sense. And then when you sort of take a step back, you can sort of realize that, it, like you said, in the wrong hands and wielded with sort of a menacing uh, intention, yes. uh, it all of a sudden it becomes very sinister and evil. Right. The quest for power in and, in and of itself sounds right and sounds virtuous. Yes. However, what you do with power is everything. Yes. That's everything. Yes. You want the smart, capable, and just people to have power. Yes. So I say that we just dive into a few of Great. these rules. Again, this book is called The 48 Laws of Power yes. by Robert Greene. And when was it? Like, just some context. Like, do you know when or what? Or, or just curious. I, I think uh, it was written I, like the 80s. I wish I could give you yeah. the – he was the same guy who wrote The Art of Seduction. Okay. If you've ever heard of that book. Cool. It's probably in the same vein of like how to close. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, the, exactly. in the dating sphere yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, Okay. So there's 48 laws in this book. Okay. And I'm going to open with one. Uh, this is law number 17 in his book. Great. 
And this is one that I think is very, uh, this is pervasive right now. Mm -hmm. If you've heard about gaslighting or mental manipulation or mental abuse, where you say so many lies that the people can't even understand what's real anymore. Yes, yes. Where it's like all their own reality. Alternative facts becoming a thing. Yes, exactly. So this is law number 17 in uh, the 48 Laws of Power. Okay. Keep others in suspended terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictability. Here's the explanation. Again, keep others in suspended terror, cultivate an air of unpredictability. Terror. Here's the explanation. (laughs) Humans are creatures of habit with an insatiable need to see familiarity in other people's actions. Your predictability gives them a sense of control. Turn the tables. Be deliberately unpredictable. Behavior that seems to have no consistency or purpose will keep them off balance. And they will never wear themselves out trying to explain your moves. Taken to an extreme... This strategy can intimidate and terrorize. Gosh. The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Oh, baby. Wow, I just, my heart skipped a beat when you read that. I mean, that is, yeah. I mean, I feel like that is one of the more prescient things I've heard related to literally this past week of world events. It seems like, yeah, to keep people off balance is definitely a way to, uh, to achieve and enforce status. Yeah. It makes you have the status of your unpredictable. I think about that a lot about that in sports. Yeah. Um, because I feel like athletes, there's a certain, uh, like, uh, regimentedness to athletes, almost like in the military. It's like everyone sort of like plays by the rules and does the same thing and very buttoned up. And even in the post game conferences, they like everything seems to be from a manual. Yep. Like it's incredibly predictable. Yes. And then when there's one outlier, you yes. have one Ron Artest. Yes. You got one Boogie Cousins. You got one Dennis Rodman who is constantly unpredictable. Yes. Constantly unpredictable. The foundation crumbles. The foundation crumbles. And that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome of them. And I admire, I like, admire that in them or something and that's kind of the yin and yang of this book right it's how you interpret these things because if when we put it over the donald trump lens it becomes very uh evil and sinister, sinister. And like yes. how, how dare you publish these things correct but when you put it over your own maybe way smaller goals that you're just trying to like find a good job and you just don't know how to like interview well yeah these these rules can be very very helpful yes i know it it is so hard to have a conversation like this and divorce it from the current sort of like obviously political context of course but like you said in a vacuum to try and just as almost like a thought mental experiment um to deliberately divorce it from historical context and really think about these quote-unquote laws or philosophies just in a vacuum just like the iron red thing it's like in a vacuum um yeah they have enormous value yeah (laughs) and they make a lot of sense i say that we dig into way more power laws when we come back um in the first act break what do you say we play the most obvious song sadly he met with donald trump just after but we gotta play it anyway oh yay kanye west's power that was Kanye West, perhaps America's most unpredictable pop star yeah. uh, with his song Power. I mean, I think that he is almost lost 17 personified in a way. Yeah. I don't know if he is unpredictable deliberately or if it's just a sort of a whoopsies off his meds issue. Well, but fair no- I mean, this book is huge in uh, rap culture. Jay-Z swears by this book. Every college football coach swears by this book. I, I read this book because multiple college football coaches has have sourced it is as – Right. like uh, an important thing that they read to like remember because in sports it's just win baby yeah and in career for a lot of industries it's just win yes you know there is and again i don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole a because my opinions are frankly not totally fully formed but i just want to sort of put this out there that i am a little resistant to the idea just philosophically that the uh that the 
quest for power is a noble one. I know that yeah. it is that it, we're this is all under the this book is written and we live a life under the auspices and under the assumption that like achieve power, achieve status, achieve, achieve power. Right. Um, I, I'm not completely sure that that is one of my personal core values. I understand that that is a, and again, I don't want to sort of get into too much whatever. Sure. Uh, but I think that that is a function of like living in a free market, a capitalist mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, uh, the laws, 48 laws of power really, uh, relates in sort of a more socialist atmosphere where people are all deliberately equal and not trying to climb a ladder necessarily yes this book is definitely like a how to be a sociopath like it's like (laughs) it like it definitely if you have read this book i'd be very interested to hear how you read it if you if you have really hit us up at no joke pod or no joke pod at gmail.com yes i'm very curious yes the cousin of this would be that dale carnegie book how to win friends and influence people which was another book written in the same vein of like how to essentially win at business life this feels exactly yeah yeah yeah. So um, what do you say that we just keep going a Please, little bit? Yes. Um, so that first one was obviously on the surface uh, a little scary. Mm-hmm. Whenever you say terrorize. Keep people in suspended terror yeah. is suspendedly terrifying. So let's go to another law okay. in this book. This cool. is law 28. Okay. And this law sounds a little bit more um, inspiring. Okay. Okay. You tell me what you think about this law. Deal. Enter action with boldness. Yeah. If you are unsure of a course of action, do not attempt it. Your doubts and hesitations will inf- will infect your execution. Timidity is dangerous. Better to enter with boldness. Any mistakes you commit through audacity are easily corrected with more audacity. Everyone admires the bold. No one honors the timid. Hmm. This one makes me feel conflicted feelings. Okay. Um, because, of course... On a knee-jerk level, my initial reaction is, yes, enter action with boldness. Of course, be bold. Uh, however, so one of the things that we have preached time and time again on this podcast specifically uh, is that self-doubt is okay. Failure is okay. To enter into a thing that you don't necessarily feel like you're an expert at is okay. Right. That's where failure and learning happens. Right. Um, however, I don't know if that necessarily relates to, to boldness. Um, yeah, I wonder how he defines or how one would define boldness. Boldness. Right. Yes. If we put it under the Trump lens for a second, I would say that that boldness is just saying the most far out things and anti-humanitarian things we've ever seen. And man, is there if there's anybody that doubles down on audacity, it is Donald Trump. It's right. like, I said an audacious thing. Oh, you didn't like that? Triple down on audaciousness. Right. And it's like, yeah. The height of that saying, the height of that being, Meryl Streep isn't that great an actress. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my, yeah. man. <laughs> my, my man. My man. My man. That is bipartisan. <laughs> <laughs> she is bipartisan. I mean, we all love we all love Cameron Diaz, but she's not Meryl <laughs> Streep, my dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yes, exactly. He like got caught in a bold statement and decided to double down on the boldness. Right. I mean, it's again, it's hard to argue with a platitude like interaction with boldness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, of course. So why did I start reading this book? It was like uh, maybe six months ago or a year ago, and I was going through some like business divorces. Mm-hmm. Left the agent. I uh, left our agent for a second. Mm-hmm. Had to do with my own kind of soul searching. Mm-hmm. Kind of wanted to refind myself and kind of remind myself um, where my values lived and lied. Yes. You get it. So I started reading this book and from a place of I'm looking for a little self-empowerment again or I'm looking for just like a few new tenants to kind of when my mind is swirling, did I make the right decision? You know, all those kind of things. Sometimes you want a little bit of like a a path to follow. Yes. And a lot of these laws, including interactions with boldness, helped. Yeah. Because when you are feeling in a 
endless like kind of like current of timidity right or just feeling like apathy or feeling like i have like i have this project or i have this goal but i just don't know it's not worth starting i'm not going to waste that person's time reading it that'll kill you yeah like time will pass and that will kill you yes so entering actions with boldness just seeing it on paper actually helped me yeah however on the other side of the coin like we said you could be saying terrible things because you're a very powerful man. Well, yeah, yeah. Again, in the in the again, I sort of like the the sort of running through line of this. Like in the wrong hands, any of these laws can be twisted for nefarious means. Yes, or for well, nefarious that's true. reasons. Right. Uh, like any of these laws. But I do agree with you. It's in terms of uh, no one is going to. In terms of your creative life, let's say to enter something with boldness, I completely endorse that because yeah. I feel like no one is going to advocate for you as much as you should. No, no way. one should. No one should be advocating for yourself as much as yourself. Correct. So in that way, absolutely, if you have this sort of an inkling of a creator, a creative endeavor, certainly enter that uh, exploration and that endeavor with boldness. But also, I guess my only personal addendum to that law would be like be endlessly kind with yourself, and if you find yourself timid about it. Once you've entered with boldness, and if you find yourself second guessing yourself, that's okay. That is totally okay, and that's the nat- that's the natural way of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, work for the president. Okay, let's do. An- <laughs> we just work oh, for the president. God. All right, let's do a new law. Okay, great. Law number ten. Nice. Again, this is Robert Greene's "The Forty Eight Laws of Power." Yep. I read it. I'm a very powerful man. <laughs> <laughs> law number ten. All right, let's see what you think about this, Adam. Mm-hmm. Infection. Avoid the unhappy and unlucky. Okay. The explanation. You can die from someone else's misery. Emotional states are as infectious as diseases. You may feel you are helping the drowning man, but you are only precipitating your own disaster. The unfortunate, sometimes grave misfortune from themselves will also draw upon you. Associate with the happy and fortunate instead. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done? Easier said than done. Compassion has to play into it? Yes. Again, uh, yeah, compassion has to play into it. I feel like uh, this is, again, this is like, to me, this is very Shades of Ayn Rand in that, yes, uh, don't associate with unhappy and... uh, Avoid the unhappy and unlucky. Unlucky. Unlucky hurts, man. Because I would say that we are marching at JFK and LAX in defense of the unlucky. I would say. The ones that were picked by some sort of fascist to just get a go. Yes. And again, I understand that in striving for power, there's a thing of like, don't taint yourself with the plebs. Like if you are not even the plebs, uh, but like, um, you know, go forward with boldness and like you have no time for the weak. Yes. You know what I mean? And I, and I, again, I understand that from a uh ladder climbing achieve achieve at all costs uh point of view from in that prism sure but from a humanitarian prism it's just it, it's i i kind of reject this notion of uh the unhappy and the unlucky which are already such loaded terms that right. are, are, are deliberately vague because this is like a ha- pseudo philosophy book but uh i do sort of chafe against the idea that uh there's the lucky and there's the unlucky me, and never the twain shall intersect let me read this one line from it again yeah. and tell me if you agree with it yeah Emotional states are as infectious as diseases. Yes, I, I, I think that there's, I think that there's real credence to that in any relationship I, or business partnership or just intimate relationship in general. Yeah. Um, if you are in, like, if that, if the person that you're working with or collaborating with doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Um, but you've gotten used to it and you've developed a routine. Yeah. And so every day you just keep going back saying it's fine, yes. even though you're not happy. I don't know. I could see someone reading this and needing that. Yes. I, truly needing that. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that that is true in terms of emotional states being infectious. Right. I, that is for sure, for sure the case. Right. Uh, and I understand from the from the perspective, or at least I, I, I think I understand from the prism of this book, yes. being like, if you are a striving for power and you find yourself surrounded by people who aren't or are bringing you down, divorce yourself from them. Sure. Cut the uh, cancer. Cut the cancer out. And like – Again, hard to disagree with that. And yeah. in many different contexts, I'm sure that that is uh, applicable. Right. Uh, but this notion of lucky versus v unlucky or yeah. fortunate v unfortunate, uh, I, I, I reject that that particular duality and that dichotomy. But yeah, emotional states are infectious. Yes. And if you're hanging out with a bunch of sad, unmotivated, depressed people, you will inevitably become sad, unmotivated, and depressed. Well, I don't so. doubt that. Okay, so we've yeah. done a couple laws from the Laws of Power book yeah. so far. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that we lighten the mood for a okay, second. Okay, great. We know, basically, we've said a few of them. We get the general tone yeah. of these. They're very kind of uh, dramatic. Yeah. And they use big, like, intense words. Epic. And it's usually about, like, defeating <laughs> yeah. something or yes. someone. Yes. Let's each write a law. Oh, okay, great. Let's each write our <laughs> own law. Good. We don't. I say that we can put it, our own spin on it, okay. though, if we want. Okay. Let's say that we get to make laws 49 and 50. <laughs> okay, great. Okay? Um, it can be any sort. It could be a happy law. Okay. It could be a law that you use in your life that you have somehow obtained power with. Okay, great. Um, maybe it was a schoolyard trick or okay. tactic that okay. you obtained power with. Okay. Whatever it is, law 49 and law 50. Okay. How do you feel about doing it now? Do you want a little time to marinate? Ready. Wow. <laughs> So you're going to take Law 49? I'm ready for 49. Is this the Alaska of laws or is this the Hawaii Ooh, of laws? Oh, that's a great question, Billy. Which one came first? Ooh. That will be the cliffhanger going into <laughs> the third act. Alaska the Hawaii of laws. You listen to No Joke for big <laughs> reveals, one being we're going to find out which one was 49 which and 50. Which we got first. Yeah. All right. So you're maybe Alaska. Okay. This is maybe the Alaska law, law number 49 of power. Always mock yourself first. You are Always so good at these games, Adam. <laughs> you are so good at these games. Go on. Always mock yourself first. Yes. Uh, and then if I had to sort of write the text that would go under the heading of the law. Sure, by all Maybe means. it would say uh, something along the lines of um, the greatest path to achieving power is perhaps through self-deprecation. If you're on the bottom, no one will see it coming when you rise to the top. Oh, oh my God. How or, did you just do that? How did you do that? I think that might be my platitude. I would <laughs> never ask you to repeat that because it was so perfectly well said. I'm just so glad that it lives in audio podcast form. Yeah. And again, that's a per that's my per I that's my I, personal law. I've known you intimately for 12 years, Adam, and I've seen you do it and you win over people so quickly. Yeah. Once you say that I don't take myself seriously, now the whole situation in this room can take itself a little less seriously. Yes, exactly. And what's what's doubly what like the secret implication is like this sort of like by by saying a you mean negative a by saying don't take me seriously i'm worthless what you're saying is take me seriously i have worth yeah it's like that is like a, that is what is also being wrapped up in that sort of sentiment and not in a manipulative way because i am truly self-deprecating i only ever focus on my flaws and my shortcomings so right. this isn't it's not a manipulative tactic like well but at the same time it, i i think that it is a means to achieving "Quote unquote power." It's also uh, a well-rehearsed act, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I don't mean that yes. in, in an act way. I guess no. what I mean is that, like, you've done it, you've you've done it for so long, <laughs> and I've learned it from you, and now I do it too. It's like I know that sometimes if you're just meeting somebody, if you just take a little, like, put a joke on yourself first, yeah. it frees up everything. Yes, it's a yes. very it's a very smart 
uh, play. Yes. I all because I personally, and again, this is I'm revealing all of my biases here, but I get very suspicious of people who are filled with self-confidence and apt and where I, I perceive self-doubt to be absent. That yeah. is one of the things that I is like a big red flag for me. True. It's almost a non-starter. If you are 100% confident yes. and 0% self-doubting, yes. I don't I can't know that. I don't know what that human experience is. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is what Eminem did in 8 Mile. Wasn't that his trick? He, instead of like the self-depreciation yeah. thing in the final uh, rap battle, yeah. he said everything that the guy in front of him was going to say. Exactly. And then it was over. You can't there's nothing yeah. left to say. I mean, it's also a very classic like stand-up comedy trope to like go up there and make the first thing you say the thing that you know the audience is thinking about you. Yes. It's like get ahead of it. Say the obvious funny thing about yourself that you know they're thinking yep. to like clear the air and like put yourself on the same page and sort of level out the status frankly yep. and to frankly take the power back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a good uh, trick if you're giving a uh, speech at a wedding. Too. Yeah. First joke about you. Exactly. And then you could say whatever you want about oh, everybody else. Poke funnier. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It does give you license. Yeah. When you tease yourself, A, other people can tease you, which endears them to you. Yes. And B, you can tease others. Sneaky power. Sneaky power. Great. Yeah. Second act break. When we come back, we will uh, say the Hawaii <laughs> okay. of laws. Or possibly Alaska. And we'll find out <laughs> which came first, the Alaska or the Hawaii. Great. We'll be right back. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you, Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace, if you didn't know, provides beautiful, award-winning designer templates for websites. Yep. Uh, I've used Squarespace before. Yes. And it's a type of website or a type of website platform that if you have a good-looking picture and then you post it on Squarespace, yeah. it kind of makes it a better-looking picture. It does, right? It like, enhances it somehow? It just is yeah. bigger, cleaner, and nicer. <laughs> yeah. You know how certain websites just make things look a little better? Yes. When you're done looking at the website, you're like, that was a nice experience. Yes. That's what Squarespace does. Truly. And we are so grateful to have them sponsoring our program. And uh, please, if you start your free trial today and go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code, no joke, you'll receive 10% off of your first purchase, which yes. is cool. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you're a photographer. Maybe you're a fashion designer. Maybe you're a blogger. Maybe you want an online store at some point you're going to need to have a website yes make that website with squarespace and get the domain with them as well yes and they have 24 7 customer support which is phenomenal because you're probably going to be tinkering, tinkering with your website at like 3 30 to 3 45 in the morning and that's a great hour to get in touch <laughs> with great, customer support yeah, exactly great hour to call in yes um so once again if you go to the website squarespace.com and enter the offer code no joke you will get 10 percent off of your first purchase tell them we sent you and we're back. This is Act 3 of our episode today. Uh, we are talking about power, reading from Robert Greene's book, The 48 Laws of Power. Yes. Um, and just discussing uh, way, laws that we are inventing ourselves. Yes. And creeds that we are making up on the spot uh, that we would elicit power. Before we get to uh, Law 50, yes. my law, I think it's a good time to remind the listeners that what empowers us is if you go to the podcast page yes. and you leave a review, yes. something along the lines of hyped. <laughs> Something along the lines of hashtag power. Hashtag power. Power. Let hyped. Us, let us know from where you are feeling powerful, from where you are feeling hyped. Yes. We would love to know this. We want some big clickbaity words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Power. Yeah. Hyped. Yeah. Um, also, you can follow us on Twitter, at NoJokePod. Yes. It goes a long way. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really makes an actual difference. So we made a promise to you folks. We said that we were going to tell you which came first, <laughs> the Alaska or the Hawaii. Yes. Guess what we forgot to look up. 
the facts about which came first, Alaska or Hawaii. So we're all still in suspense, gang. So this might have to wait until episode number 60 for the nation to find out which came first. We know that you rely on No Joke Podcast for all of your hardcore American history facts. Well, where else would people find out which came first? I'm sure the the internet. I'm sure people in Alaska and Hawaii would like to know. (laughs) Would like to know. Yeah. This was what we came here yes, for. Exactly. Uh, now, Billy, law number 50. Yes. Law number 50 yes. for the 48 laws of power. Correct. Um, I don't know if you, you've had a minute to think about it. I don't know if you had a um, a tenant that you would like to, to impart. I've literally had about a minute <laughs> to think about it. Yeah. We're back. Okay. Um, I've loosely discussed this uh, tactic okay. on the podcast before. Okay. Great. Um, but the law would be called yeah. stop using exclamation points. <laughs> Okay, and the explanation under that would say an easy way to lose power is to seem overexcited. A way to retain the power is to only use periods. (laughs) When people read thank you, period, they feel thanked. When people read thank you, quadruple exclamation points. They need to put their phone down. Okay, that is truth. I, I, I just want to say that I agree <laughs> deeply. I deeply, <laughs> deeply agree, and at the same time, am personally a perpetrator of the over exclamation point. Usage. It's tough. It man. is hard to resist. You know where I had to start before the exclamation point? I had to stop bidding. I had to stop doing bits with comedians in small talk. Yes, it's a very slippery slope talking to comedians when you are one because it's a constant reminder of I'm funny, I'm affable, but I'm funny. Yes. And look how like irreverent I can be and how quickly I can be. And I had to, it took years, (laughs) takes years to just, when someone presents you with a bit, you just quietly deny it. Yes. That took a lot of time. And once I accomplished that, when I, when I kind of presented myself as I'm not always going to be your bit guy. Yes. Now I needed to take the exclamation points. Dial back on the exclamation points. Take back the power. Show the world who you are and how you want to talk. is a hard thing to resist because when you're sending an email, it's black font on a white screen. It's impersonal and you want to make sure that the recipient knows that you're cool, that like it's all – this email was sent in good spirits. We've come too far. The pendulum has swung too far from um, being afraid of misinterpretation. Yes. It's like thank you. I know what thank you means. You're thankful. But – I don't need five exclamation points to like let him know like oh he's definitely thankful. he's super sincerely thankful I, and to your point the exclamation point has a diminishing return effect where it's with every exclamation point your thank you seems less sincere and less sincere and less sincere and less sincere and less sincere take back the power put in the period that law is, number fifty I mean I, I that is one that I absolutely swear to yeah that's that's one that I. Fully on board. That's a great law. Good. That is a very, very great law. Okay. So uh, we are talking about Robert Greene's book, The 48 Laws of Power, and how it kind of relates to uh, people in power and how they got there. Yes. Um, Adam, would you like to read a law that's on your mind? Yeah. There's one here that I'm looking at that's law number 13 that I think is interesting and worth discussing. Uh, And it says, when asking for help, appeal to people's self-interest, never to their mercy or gratitude. Okay. Appeal to people's self-interest. This is why when you're asking somebody for help, you say, this is why you helping me would be good for you. Uh-huh. This is why – if you're not helping me, you're helping your – if you help me, you're helping yourself. Right. So you don't appeal to their mercy. Please help me. I'm so impoverished and poor. I need your help. That is not a way to achieve, to obtain help. You say, this is why helping me is good for you. 
I mean, I get it. I mean, it's true. These that are is, all true. These are how humans were just mammals. Right. We're mammals. We're evolved mammalian creatures. We are self-interested at our heart, no matter how altruistic and loving and giving and generous we are as individuals. We're self-interested mammals interested in surviving. Yes. Food, water, shelter. Right. We're still just mammals. Comfort. What Com- makes us What makes us feel like this, is, this will provide me comfort? You know? Yes. So, I mean, like, again – it, it, it's a book like this is funny, and the Ayn Rand thing too is funny because it is a little cringy to like have human uh, inde- human endeavor and the way that humans manipulate each other so boldly stated. Yes, and it's like yes, we do all do this to each other all the time. These are the micro negotiations of power that we do every every minute. This was largely day. my experience reading this book, and it's like one of those like. 500 page like small font dad it's books. a tome yeah. it's like just a big orange cover <laughs> and like if you're like a nine-year-old you see it on your dad's desk you're like who would ever be interested in this <laughs> exactly, book exactly. um yeah i know but reading it every time i would just be going through another law and these laws are they are like then rooted in historical facts yeah. so re- a little bit more about the book they declare a law they give a little blurb about how it works and right. then it's a history book yeah then they talk about um you know Art thieves that did this yeah. and huge regimes yeah. and Alexander the Great yes. and how, you know, like the king's servants would overthrow the kingdom yes. and things like that. And it's like – so then th- these laws kind of come to life. Yes. And so when you read all that followed by the law, it all just starts all to make more sense. sense. And it also – I start to feel like, oh, I've experienced all this in my daily life too, and in I'm, the minutia too. And I'm not Hannibal or Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great. I'm Billy, comedy writer, and I acknowledge and identify these power struggles and power dynamics every day. Yeah. And I guess if I just want to say another thing, which is like the – again, all this – Achieving power, striving for power, the, the, all of these laws and just the whole philosophy is rooted. There's an adversarialness to it, of yes. course, that's baked into the very premise of, pow- of achieving power. It's as if you need someone or something to either be working with or against. Against, specifically against. It's like you like identify – there's a whole like ally versus enemy thing that's baked into this, how to trick your enemies, how to win over your enemies. Right. There's like a very confrontational adversarial nature to this, uh, which makes sense to me why somebody like – like our president or other people who are obsessed with achieving power seemingly at all costs at the expense of other people's humanity, uh, uh, I understand why uh, they would get off on a book like this. But it's fascinating uh, because for me, when I was reading this book six to eight months ago, my enemy wasn't a person. Mm -hmm. It was like a thing, Mm. like an unquantifiable thing. And Mm. it was probably whatever like I was – whatever was like holding me up. Mm -hmm. It was like an internal thing and that thing was the enemy. Yeah. Like self-doubt perhaps was the enemy. Yeah. And then when you put that lens over it, suddenly it like helps in all these other ways. Yeah. You know? It's a very – it's just how you choose to interpret it. Yeah. Um, speaking of enemies though, yes. you, you say that. Yes. And here is the most uh, blatant version of it. Okay. And this is why I think that college football coaches get off on this book. Yes, yes. This chapter is called Law 15. Okay. Found on page 107. Okay. The chapter uh, – the law is crush your enemy totally. Crush your enemy totally. Fucking brutal, man. <laughs> Great sentence. Brutal. Great sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All great leaders since Moses – I have questions about him. All great <laughs> leaders since Moses have known that a feared enemy must be crushed completely. Sometimes they have learned this the hard way. If one ember is left alight, no matter how dimly it smolders, a fire will eventually break out. More is lost through stopping halfway than through total annihilation. The enemy will recover and will seek revenge. Crush him, not only in body, but in spirit. <laughs> Oh my god. Get him. Oh my god. 
Yeah, I mean, both sides of damn. both sides of the argument, at least in the political sphere right now, would probably love to subscribe to that philosophy. Crush your enemies totally. Do not leave an ember of hope because if you leave an ember, it will grow to another fire that you'll have to crush later. You see the people protesting at JFK about uh, all these immigration bans that right. just came out out of nowhere, right. and suddenly four like floors of the garage yes. are packed with people. Yes. They, those people are trying to crush this totally. Yes. You know, yes. if there's an ember of problem being floated aloft, yes. they're here to jump on it immediately. Yes, we are trying to suffocate fully the ember of xenophobia and prejudice. And th those – that is, I think, in that context from that side is certainly the, uh, is certainly the ember that uh, we – again, like we talked about before, none of these human values are fixed. You know, we beat the Nazis 60 years ago and we were like, phew, done with that. Right. That, or, that can't oh, come back. Exactly. Right. Don't know if we crush that enemy totally enough. And I mean, look, we're both basketball coaches. Right. And I can at least speak for myself. If it's halftime and my team is up, call 24 to 8. Yeah. The piece of advice that I'm giving to my women is not go into prevent defense, play soft. It's double down. Imagine that we're losing 24 to 8. Amen. And go beat them by 16 again. And here's the beauty of it. Look, uh, we love sports, obviously. In life, this these laws are problematic. Crushing your enemies totally. Like, thinking of the world in terms of enemies and allies, to, to me, obviously, there's some red flags there. In sport, I mean, like, in the context of sports, like, Hell yeah, crush your enemy totally. One of my favorite coaches in sport is Bill Belichick. And I mean, like the Patriots or whatever, all comes with all sorts of other baggage. Right. However, I love when they run up the score. I love when they're up 35-0 at halftime and then they like Tom Brady is marching out for the second half and they win 63-3. to I'm it. crazy about that. This is how much better we are than you. I love that. And I, in, again, in the context of a sporting event, I love the notion of demoralizing your enemy, crushing them completely, sure. making sure they know you're vastly superior to them. Sports and competition don't come with compassion necessarily. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. It's competition. Exactly. You're here to win and crush completely. Exactly. So in the spirit of friendly friendly or even non-friendly competition in sport hell yeah crush your enemy completely let them know that the next time they play you they let them know from the beginning they have no chance so let's use that as a reminder to remind everyone listening whatever side of the coin you're on in the political sphere that our country is not and should not be a competition. No. And it should not be treated as a competition no. where one side is trying to crush the enemy's no. side completely. No. Let's work towards having less enemies and less crushing and a more group conversation as to what we all need and how we can get yes. there. Obviously, obviously those are just words. Yeah, exactly. But that being said, we need to be reminded sometimes that while we're competing for our ideals, we should be working towards cooperation. Thank you. And if the people in charge are not capable of using their power correctly, fight back. Yeah. Do what you gotta. Yes. This exactly. is your country too. Absolutely. Amen, Bill. Okay. Yes. That's the power episode. Nice. I feel legitimately more powerful. I'm flexing as we speak. Okay. <laughs> you are flexing. I can see through your translucent shirt. <laughs> My toilet paper shirt. For the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And as always, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>